Hi, and welcome to the Unlocking Customer Service Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Richmond. I'm here every week talking with guests who can help you realize the full potential of your contact center and customer service team to keep growing your business. Oh, and you can do all of that while still prioritizing your people. In fact, that's the secret to it all. Let's chat with our next guest. Uh, today, we're here talking with Joe Staples. Joe is a veteran of the contact center industry and served as a CMO for more than 20 years, leading the charge at companies like Interactive Intelligence, Workfront, and Motivosity. Now, Joe sits on the board of multiple companies, including Sharpen, advising today's leaders on how to grow their revenue and see greater success. So, uh, Joe, can you give us a little bit of background of what you what your experience has shown you in uh, the customer service, contact center, industry, uh, the whole arena? Thanks, Meg. You know, I think uh, probably the biggest thing that comes to mind is watching the evolution of the contact center and and customer service over really probably over three decades and just seeing things move from, you know, cost centers to profit centers, introduction of new technology, uh, you know, people moving to the cloud. So really a lot of innovation over that time. It's been fun to watch. So uh, I guess since you've, you've seen it all at this point, that's uh, through the industry, uh, what do people really need to know? What, do you, what are three things that you wish that executives actually knew about their contact centers? Yeah, I think I think the, I think it's different. I think the answer is different for executives. So I'm glad that you included that in the in your question because i think you know you find a lot of contact center managers or vps of customer care and they live that you know that that's mm-hmm. the, that's everything that they do and then you've got this other part of the executive team cfos and ceos and heads of sales and oftentimes i think they look at the contact center very very differently than the reality of what's going on. So, um, you know, a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one, certainly for CFOs and CEOs, uh, is to recognize that high agent turnover isn't something that they need to live with. And I think sometimes that's what they think because they go, you know, I've been running this business for five or 10 years and we've always had 20 or 25% turnover. And I think those days are gone. I think there are things you can do to reduce uh, that agent turnover to a good, solid, manageable number. Uh, I visited a a pretty large contact center not that long ago, and they were running 4% as turnover. And they did some very creative and innovative things, but they certainly showed that, that that's possible. Mm-hmm. I think with a lot of uh, a lot of conversations we've had as part of this podcast, uh, I think uh, uh, executives don't necessarily like at first realize the cost of this turnover. That it's not just the the money of not having somebody in that seat; it's the the training of someone who needs to have these specific skills. Yeah, good good point. I, I've read some numbers that uh, that hiring. Uh, and and onboarding and training a new employee is a is a forty thousand dollar cost uh, on average, and so yeah, add that up, and all of a sudden you've got some pretty big expenses if you can't curb that uh, that turnover. You know, one of the other things, Meg, that uh, that comes to mind is 
I think executives can do well if they recognize the fact that probably the single most influential group on customer retention, which is something that that those executives pay attention to is, is customer retention. The single most influential group uh, for that are those contact center agents. Uh, they have opportunities to, to upsell people, to have their experience be good, to resolve problems. And so, uh, you know, if, if you're focused on retention, uh, look, look at the contact center to help you with that. Mm -hmm. Well, we're hearing a lot that uh, executives and managers and everybody all the way up the management chain at a company is can find the benefit in letting the agents communicate back, like whether it is about their day to day, whether it's information from the customers, whether it's process improvement. Um, I guess, do you have any any experience or any ideas about how how to enable that in terms of benefiting both parties, benefiting management, benefiting the agents? Yeah, really good point. You know, I think uh, I think that's been part of the evolution of the contact center. Uh, you know, rewind not that many years ago, and it was you're the agent, come in, do your job, make dials or answer the phone, and when your shift is over, go home. And I think now they definitely management recognizes that these people are filled with uh, information, and and if if you can facilitate uh, that level of feedback and gathering that information and doing focus groups, uh, the business is going to be able to evolve even that much quicker. Mm -hmm. Do you see this as a trend? Like are, are agents being more empowered to do more over the years? Uh, like are they giving this feedback, giving these you know product questions to management? Has this been a trend over the years? Yeah, oh, for for innovative contact centers, absolutely. Uh, you know, I I was also as I got ready uh, for this podcast this morning, I for whatever reason I thought back. I was in a contact center where the manager sat in kind of a crow's nest. You know, he was like a half a story higher than all of the agents, and he would just sit there and look out over the agents. And I thought. Wow, those days are gone. Uh, but that's what it used to be like. You know, you didn't trust the agents, and you mm -hmm. and you wanted to make sure they were uh, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Now it is, uh, you know, a trend towards really looking at these agents as huge assets for the business. And um, so those kinds of uh, uh, you know how they're treated as, as employees and and what role they have in the organization is so much greater. You also see where CX sits in the organization. Most of the most of the companies that I have interactions with, uh, there's a CX executive on the on the leadership team. And you know, uh, 15 years ago that wasn't the case. They were kind of buried down inside the organization. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you say this too, since there's there's more visibility to what constitutes performance. Um, we've talked a little bit in other uh, podcasts about things like investing in technology to help uh, visualize this performance, whether it's reporting or uh, you know coaching. Um, I guess what kind of trends have you seen in improving this type of data, like the reporting and having reporting being meaningful? 
Yeah, analytics are everything for a contact center, as you know. And so the the nice thing is that technology just continues to evolve. You can look at things in such a granular way now, um, the ability to match up customer sentiment and customer experience with uh, the performance of the agents and the performance of the overall contact center is certainly there. So the the tech is there and the tech continues to evolve. I think the message to executives is don't fall behind. Take advantage of that and don't sit there and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to spend any money on that. Uh, if you want it to be meaningful and impactful, uh, you need to keep up with it. And I guess how how do they know, how do executives know that the money they've invested in these kind of solutions of technologies is working? Like what kind of reporting and analytics show that it's worth it? Well, I, I think there's certainly results that uh, that need to be looked at. It really comes down to what's the end objective? If the end objective is we need to reduce turnover because it's costing us too much and we need to improve customer retention because we're losing too many customers. Those are really the end goal measurements. So I think a, a strong CX leader is going to come in there and say, hey, I want to invest in this piece of technology or this piece of technology and hold me accountable for what that does to uh, either, you know, the two examples that I gave, agent turnover uh, going down or customer retention going up. How would you say this is uh, this changes on on scale, like a company with a smaller contact center versus a ginormous twenty four hour con contact center? Is there is there difference? Different things need they need to look at, or yeah, you know, certainly the the larger contact centers I think have some advantages just because if you can move the dial a really really small amount, the impact can be really great because it's spread across you know, 800 agents or 1,500 agents. Uh, investing in technology is still important for the small contact center, uh, but sometimes uh, a little bit more difficult to, uh, to cost justify. And so I guess too, with, you know, a contact center with 25 agents, their, their goals are gonna look very different than one with 2,500 agents. Yeah, some of the goals are going to, you know, some of the goals are still going to match up. And I, again, I think it's going back to what's the end result? What are we trying to do? Uh, so, you know, 25 agents, they'd still love a, a single digit agent turnover uh, result. They'd still love to move the needle on uh, customer retention. So I think those end goals are are still the same. Uh, how the process works and you know how you get there. Uh, yeah, there's probably some differences that way. And for the the management too, I guess you'd have to manage differently. Differently, depending on you know 25 agents, it's probably a lot easier to to get a beat on how involved and how happy they are with the platform they're using or, you know, what kind of information they have versus 2,500. I guess, what kind of advice would you give to uh, somebody looking to expand? How do you make sure you keep that, those goals in sight as you grow? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the talent and, and caliber of the managers that you're hiring. So if you have, you know, if you have a, a contact center that, that has 25 agents, 
you you probably got a couple of team leads or supervisors in there uh, managing the day-to-day piece and they're reporting up to a director level person. Uh, it's not that different in that large contact center. It just gets scaled out. So you just have uh, more managers and, and more directors. So I, I think the process still comes down to have you hired and trained your managers well enough that the agents that they're responsible for, let's say it's you know 10 or 15 agents, are they still mentoring them, coaching them, uh, helping them uh, feel recognized for the work that they're doing? So it, it still gets run as a bunch of small uh, groups of contact center agents, even if the overall number is very, very large. That's a great point you bring up about the coaching and training and mentoring. Um, I guess in your experience, what are some some things you wish people knew or did better or worked harder at when it when it came to that? You know, I'm a I, I'm a big believer that that people respond to uh, being cared about. So if if a manager really cares about that individual agent, and and let's even assume that that agent this is kind of their first job. You know, they're they're straight out of school, and and they take a contact center job. If they feel that they have a manager that recognizes uh, the accomplishments and the contribution that they make, is investing in them as a person relative to their career advancement, wants to help coach them and teach them uh, and mentor them. I, I just believe that that's what people really, really respond to. Contrast that with a manager who sits down and just says, okay, you know, here's how many calls you made or, or you know, you, you're, you're behind the average or, you know, just kind of drills into the numbers. If that agent gets the sense that you don't really care about me as a person, the only thing you care about is either these numbers or the, the goals of the business, that person's not going to stick around for a real long time, especially if they're good, because they're going to find other opportunities where somebody is willing to invest in their career and, and look at, you know, it's it's pretty rare to find agents who say, I want to be a I want to be an agent for the rest of my life. Most of them have other aspirations. They they want to make more money, they want some career progress, they want a promotion. And so if they get a manager that's interested in helping them get there, then they're going to perform so much better with all of the other things that the business is looking for. So this was a topic that came up in another podcast. It was about how agents come in and then they're promoted to managers without any, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the career progression is to move it, move up to a management position, but only because you're really good at what you do. Um, so I guess it sounds like as we're finding, there's a lot of benefit in training somebody somebody to, to do that management role, to really step into a management role instead of just becoming like a super agent. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't think the contact center is unique in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Oftentimes you'll find salespeople who are really good salespeople. And now there's a manager position opened up and they grab the person as they say, do you want to be a manager? Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you've got a you've taken a really great salesperson and now they're a mediocre manager because that's not what you invested in. You know, I think a lot of it is how much time are you spending with those agents, helping them do their job as an agent, 
but then how much time are you spending mentoring them to prepare them for what their next job is, which, uh, you know, certainly could be a, a supervisor job. And that's, that's a good way to, to keep an agent. Like if, if they know, if somebody knows they're going to have a career path in a company, then they're more likely to stay. And so that helps your retention. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think that gets amplified uh, with, uh, with, with younger people, uh, with millennials. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're anxious. They, they want progress. They want to see progress. And I think they're a lot more patient if they see a path to that progress and somebody who's taken some interest in them versus now they, they really just care about me coming in and answering the phone. I think that's a that's a really interesting point with uh, having millennials being employees right now. I think we're seeing a big shift in who we see as an ideal worker with especially with the shift to working remote. Uh, people can have a very flexible life and still work a full time job with with the technology in place. I guess what are some some trends you've seen with with who makes a good agent over the past even year? It seems like it's changed. Yeah, top of my list for trends is flexibility and trust. This is for contact centers to succeed, they have to be able to 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 mold and and modify their work environment to help fit the desires of their agents, their their workers. And that's the biggest thing that those agents want. They want some flexibility. Uh, and you know, the the pandemic certainly threw us into a better understanding of remote agents and how all of that could work. Uh, remote remote agents aren't anything new. You know, it's been a it's been on the trend list probably for the last twenty years. Uh, but the pandemic accelerated that a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think uh, what companies recognize is, hey, we can make this work and there's huge benefits to it. You know, our ability to hire people, uh, to get the skill set that we need, uh, those things are improved and enhanced. And then the satisfaction level of the agents based on the fact that, uh, you know, they're they're able to work from home, uh, the retention is improving. So I think that's a, I think that's a huge trend. And, and I don't think, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, that is not going to go away, at least for creative and, and forward thinking contact centers. And I think we've, we're now in a place where we've set expectations where if you aren't happy with how uh, your job is structured, like as an, if an agent doesn't have the flexibility that they want, they can go find another company that does. So you need to make sure you stay on top of that. Yep. Agree. Agree completely. So with that point, though, of, of keeping them, keeping an agent uh, motivated, uh, I guess how... What are some some tips, tricks, trends you've seen? How do we keep people motivated? It's especially in where we we don't know what what business might look like in the next day, week, month. How do we make sure that everybody is is doing okay? Yeah, the really the three things that I've seen be most effective are one providing some flexibility. So if you know if it's not going to 
completely throw a wrench into the contact center if somebody needs to juggle their schedule or or needs to be away for uh, an afternoon for something make sure that they don't feel a bunch of guilt and oh you know what this is going to do to me i guess you can do it um create an environment where they feel that there's some flexibility and you know if if they communicate their needs to you that you're really willing to help them uh, be able to have that flexibility. I also, I go back and I mentioned this a couple of times uh, to recognition. People want to be recognized for the work that they do. That contact center that I mentioned that had a 4% turnover, it was an 800 uh, agent contact center. And I believe a really, really big part of why it was 4% is people felt appreciated for the work that they did. Uh, they crave it, and those companies that uh, recognize that and then reward and recognize their employees, uh, it, it just goes so far. And then the, re the remote work one would be the, the third piece uh, that I just think... Uh, People like, uh, they like that environment. They like the flexibility that, that it creates. Uh, it allows so many people that uh, potentially couldn't have entered the workforce otherwise uh, to be able to, to work remotely, uh, avoid commutes, all the things that go along with that. So what would you say to executives or managers that say that it costs too much to have people work remote? Like we can't afford the technology or we can't afford to outfit people at home. Yeah, I, th I, th I think it's a cost savings. Uh, I mean, if you, uh, if you look at space planning, um, there's just a, there's a big cost savings there. And then if you also consider, and, and I think they have to look at it the right way. So if what they're gonna do is they're gonna set up, you know, 800 agent desktops in the office, and then they're going to also give everybody all the equipment they need to work from home, that doesn't work. But if you look at hot desking or hoteling, uh, where, you know, how many agents are we going to have in the office at any given time? Let's plan our space and our equipment around that. And then how many need to have the equipment at home to serve as remote agents. I, I think done properly, you can save money. I think it may be kind of an old school belief to think that it's super expensive to get somebody set up to work at home because I think we're we're thinking like old premise systems, old, uh, you know, big pieces of hardware. And that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I, there's a lot of misnomers about uh, work from home or, or remote agents. Uh, you know, what you described is, is one of them. The other one is, you know, you get people that are somewhat removed from it and they think these people are going to like watch TV and sit on the couch and how are we going to be able to monitor all of this? This goes back to the trust piece. And I think people respond really well when they feel that they're being trusted to do a job and then you have some analytics in place that allow you to know if if they are accomplishing what needs to be accomplished definitely can do it so it's really like you give people the tools and the the numbers that will help them feel like they're succeeding say they meet 
a certain goals per day. So it's not about, you know, the amount of time they're logged in every day. It's about the actual results they get and they can see that they're getting. Right. And then correlate that with what's going on with the customer and the business. And, you know, if you can point back for agents to see that in the last uh, two quarters, uh, retention has gone up or expansion by existing customers has gone up. Those are things that are really meaningful to those agents as they go, I contributed to that. I, you know, I helped that happen. And I guess how, uh, I guess how would a manager share these kind of findings with the agents if an agent doesn't have visibility to it themselves? I guess, how does an agent know they're doing well and how can a manager share that with them? Yeah, you, I mean, you bring up a great point. If the manager knows those things and kind of keeps them to themselves, uh, then the motivation for the agent goes away. So it's, uh, you know, the greater that uh, you can get that in front of the agents, it just serves as an enormous motivator uh, for them, uh, especially as they're able to see their own performance, their performance compared to the norms and, and the averages across the contact center. Studies uh, have, have shown that that is a, a really powerful motivator for people. And I think we've we've kept we keep mentioning this that that a, a contact center agent is a knowledge worker, so they should they should be uh, paid as such and trained as such. So really, if you if you have the right person, then you want to keep them there as long as possible, and that means paying them uh, what they deserve, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I you know I think part of this, and this certainly goes to the to the key messages that executives need to hear is if they're looking at uh, the contact center as this cost center and this turnover problem that I have, and instead flip that and say, no, this is an opportunity for me to increase revenue and create brand ambassadors for the business, their mind perspective will shift and they'll start looking at the contact center much differently. They'll want to invest in it. They'll want to make sure that they're retaining those uh, those best agents. I think it's a short-sighted CEO that looks and says, no, we're not going to pay these people a little bit more. The CEO then ignores the fact that every time we lose an agent and we have to hire a new one, it costs us $40,000. And they go, yeah, but those are soft dollars. I don't want to pay people more. I, I think it's mm -hmm. short-sighted. And really the cost is is to your brand as well. So say you've got, you don't have the right people when they call and they're not getting the service they want. So you're losing customers also that you can't really put a dollar amount on. Exactly. And you think of the agent who is answering a customer's question and they've been an agent in your contact center answering those questions for the last two years. Think of how much more effective they are than the person that, because your turnover is so doggone high, they're brand new. They're just not going to do as well. Your customers aren't going to get the same level of service. Mm -hmm. So the idea is trying to, to reframe from an executive standpoint, to reframe the cost of the contact center as a cost of uh, not just doing business, but a cost of growing business. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if you think of where are the touch points with customers, those touch points are pretty rare in, in most cases. You know, when somebody first buys, they 
depending on what they're buying, they talk to a salesperson oftentimes, and then they may talk to some implementation people if, if it was software that they were buying. And then it kind of flips over to the contact center. Now it's, you know, what questions do I have? Do I need some support? Am I trying to do something? And I call into the contact center to get some help. So the contact center is enormously important in what those customers think and then what those customers go out and tell all of the other people that they know about the experience that they've had. And I think as executives recognize that and they see the value of those agents in promoting the brand, in helping the customers feel satisfied with the purchase decision that they made, uh, I think their willingness on the part of those executives to invest in the contact center definitely goes up. So as we're wrapping it up, um, I guess what would be a piece of advice that you would give to executives looking to invest in a contact center? Um, since we talked a lot about it, it it does cost money to do these things, but I guess how can they make sure that the money they spend is going to be the, the best bang for their buck? Um, I think looking at the contact center with a long-term view is probably a really important part of this. If if executives look at it purely based on how much does it cost me, what's my retention rate, and what are the performance statistics that are going on right now, I think they're going to miss out. I think if they look at it and, and say, you know, we want our customers to have these amazing experiences, and based on that, we're going to put in place training and development programs for our agents. We're going to spend money on recognizing and rewarding the top performers uh, because we know that will help raise the level of service that all the agents give. If they constantly look at this as that contact center is an enormous value add to what they provide to customers, then I think they're going to make a lot of good decisions. Then they're going to invest in technology. Then they're going to make sure they know who the good performers are. Uh, they're going to provide the level of flexibility to make sure that they are you know, retaining the best of the best. They're going to pay those agents uh, a wage that causes them to, to want to stay and continue to perform well. So it's really reframing the the cost and the expense of a contact center as a long-term investment. Yeah, I, that's a, a good summary statement. Yep. <laughs> well, perfect. Uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate you uh, coming on here and giving us this, this experience from a level that we don't often get to hear because a lot of us are just uh, here in the in the trenches working on these functionalities, working on these features. So it's interesting to hear it from from such a uh, like a twenty thousand foot point of view. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap on today's episode of Unlocking Customer Service. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play to get notifications when new episodes drop each week. Or head to sharpencx.com slash podcast to catch up on all the latest episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review so we can reach more people like you.